brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Hey, this is Anthony. Yeah, this is actually Anthony. My voice is kind of garbage right now. Something is negatively impacting it. I'm hoping that I'm getting on the mend at this point. But as they always say, lots of work to do. So today for Saturday, um, instead of the uh, biography of the godfather of modernism, we'll call him, which I'm still working on. I'm still trying to gather as much information as possible because there's not a lot out there easily available, but there's a lot of rich resources available out there if you know how to find it. So that'll hopefully happen this coming weekend. I thought I would provide something for you. I have recently been offering the letter of Cardinal Ottaviani, who was the sort of the one of the last bulwarks of Catholic Orthodoxy at the Second Vatican Council. He who was essentially booed off stage after, when he was giving one of his speeches who had his microphone unplugged while he was in the middle of a speech trying to defend the faith on the council floor. That actually happened. Um, I have a letter where he that is from him, written about a year after the close of the council, and he's already expressing concerns about how the council is being implemented. Now, you're going to hear at the beginning him talking about how wonderful the council was and how holy it was, and the typical things you would expect from a member, from a senior member of the Catholic hierarchy about the council of the church, right? I mean, you would expect those things. Don't get lost in that. But here he is expressing how the problems of the implementation have already started happening less than a year later, almost as if the same people who wrote the documents, who passed the documents of the council, knew how they were going to implement them upon passage, which, by the way, they themselves said later on. But enough for me on that. Here is now the July 24, 1966, secret letter of Cardinal Ottaviani to the bishops, which was recently published by Tradi News, which is a European outlet. So if there's some syntax errors, it's because of the uh, translation system I'm using. As the recently happily closed Second Ecumenical Vatican Council promulgated very wise documents, either in doctrinal or disciplinary matters, to effectively promote the life of the Church, all the people of God have a grave responsibility that of making every effort to bring to its application everything which, in this great assembly of bishops, presided over by the sovereign pontiff, has been solemnly proposed or decreed. Now, it belongs to the hierarchy, it, it is its rights and its office, to watch, direct, promote the movement of renewal started by the council, so that the documents and decrees of this same council receive a right interpretation and be implemented strictly observing the rigor and spirit of these same documents. It is indeed the bishops who must protect this doctrine, they who enjoy under their head, who is Peter, the function of teaching with authority. And it is commendably that many pastors have already begun to explain the doctrine of the council in an apt manner. It is nevertheless to be deplored that from various quarters gloomy news has arrived in increasing abuses in the interpretation of the doctrine of the council, as well as vagrant and daring opinions appearing here and there, which do not slightly twist the mind of the very many faithful. We must praise the studies and the efforts of more complete investigation of the truth, which rightly distinguish between what is to be believed and what is the object of free opinion. But on examining the documents submitted to this sacred congregation, it appears that a not insignificant number of theses easily go beyond the limits of mere opinion or hypothesis and seem extent to, to affect dogma itself and the foundations of the faith. It is appropriate to touch as examples some of these theses and errors as they manifest themselves in the reports of learned men or in published writings. 1. 
First comes the sacred revelation itself. There are those who resort to sacred scripture by knowingly setting aside tradition. They also reduce the amplitude and the force of biblical inspiration and inerrancy and do not have a correct idea of the value of historical text. Two, with regard to the doctrine of the faith, it is said that dogmatic formulas are subject to historical development so that their objective meaning itself is subject to change. Three, the ordinary magisterium of the church, especially that of the Roman pontiff, is sometimes so neglected and underestimated that it is almost relegated to the region of free opinion. Four, objective and absolute truth, firm and immutable, is hardly admitted by some who subject all things to a certain relativism, and this for the fallacious reason that all truth necessarily flows from the rhythm of the evolution of consciousness and conscientiousness. Five, the adorable person of Christ Jesus is reached when, in rethinking Christology, such concepts of person and nature are employed which are hardly compatible with dogmatic definitions. There is creeping in a certain Christological humanism, according to which Christ is reduced to the condition of a simple man, who has gradually acquired the awareness of his divine filiation. His miraculous conception, his miracles, his very resurrection are granted verbally, but in reality are brought back to the purely natural order. 6. Likewise, in the theological treatise on the sacraments, certain elements are ignored and not sufficiently taken into account, especially with regard to the Most Holy Eucharist. There are many that deal with the real presence of Christ in the species of the bread and wine by favoring exaggerated symbolism, just as if the bread and wine were not converted into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ through transubstantiation, but were simply transferred to some meaning. There are also those who advance more than reason the concept of agape for Mass before the idea of sacrifice. 7. Some preferring to explain the sacrament of penance as a means of reconciliation with the church do not sufficiently express reconciliation with offended God himself. They claim that the celebration of this sacrament is not necessary because for the personal confession of sins, but they are content to express only the social function of reconciliation with the church. 8. There is also no lack of them who disregard the doctrine of the Council of Trent on original sin or comment on it in such a way that the original fault of Adam and the very transmission of sin are offended. 9. No lesser errors are widespread in the field of moral theology. In fact, some, not a small number, dare to reject the objective rule of morality. Others do not accept the natural law, but affirm the legitimacy of the morality of the situation, as they say. Pernicious opinions are offered on morality and responsibility in sexual and matrimonial matters. 10. To all these things we must add a note on ecumenism. The apostolic see fully praises those who, in the spirit of the conciliar decree on ecumenism, promote initiatives with a view to fostering charity towards separated brethren and attracting them to the unity of the church. But he regrets that there is no lack of them who, interpreting in their own way the conciliar decree, demand such ecumenical action which offends the truth about the unity of the faith and of the church, promoting a dangerous ironism and indifferentism, which assuredly is totally foreign to the spirit of the council. Errors and dangers of these kind scattered no doubt here and there, are nevertheless found in this letter in a summary synthesis and proposed to the ordinaries, so that each according to his office, and his office takes care to repress or prevent them. The sacred dicastery also urges the same local ordinaries gathered in their respective episcopal conferences to take care of it and to refer it appropriately to the Holy See, and to deliver their reflections before the feast of the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ of the current year. This letter, which for an obvious reason of prudence forbids to be made public, that the ordinaries and those, whoever they are, 
to whom they will have considered right to communicate it, keep it strictly secret. Signed, Alfred Cardinal Taviani, Prefect for the Sacred Congregation for the Do Doctrine of the Faith, July 24th, 1966. Now, I want you to look at that date very carefully, because the Second Vatican Council closed in late 1965. Now, think about that. It took six months at most for these problems to come to his attention, and frankly, probably less time than that, because a letter like this probably took some time to carefully draft. Those ten bullet points of errors, which are now everyday realities in the church. For instance, the godfather of modernism, one thing that I will be talking about is how he decided to subject this uh, sacred scripture to the claims of the world, whether they be of science or historical criticism or whatnot. They came from the godfather of modernism that I'll be talking about. That's the first thing he talked about here. That person that I'm talking about was excommunicated for that. And it's now the first thing on the list, meaning it's so common, it's not even funny. And we hear this in the church all the time. Oh, the story of Genesis is metaphorical. I mean, Bishop Barron says there was no real Adam and Eve. Think about that. Beforehand, before the council, that was de fide, that they were real people. Now, you don't have to agree, apparently. May, it's funny how things change. The ordinary magisterium of the church is sometimes so neglected and underestimated that it's almost relegated to the region of free opinion. And that's really kind of funny, because this is 1966, and we now live in a weird situation where for 40 years before Francis, we had people who would hear the orthodox things that the popes would say, and they'd be like, no, that's okay. But as soon as you know you get Francis, all of a sudden, the papal magisterium is super powerful again, except it's used to promote error. <laughs> we have a very serious problem right now. And people, you know, will tell me things like, well, the Holy Spirit chooses the Pope. Well, that's not true. Nobody before the council believed that. It's much more complicated than that. And now you get that to being used to elevate the errors of Francis. And he's really just building on the errors of his predecessors. But now, because he doesn't really say anything that's orthodox sounding, people embrace it. It's really kind of odd. And then, of course, my favorite probably here is the um, trying to turn our Lord into an ordinary man. We all see the memes on Facebook about this, right? You know, the Christ didn't found a religion, all that nonsense. Well, that was a common belief even a year after the council, less than a year after the council. There is a concerted effort to not only uncrown our Lord Jesus Christ, but to reduce him to something other than what he is, which is the second person of the Holy Trinity. I want you to think about the implications of that because Cardinal Odoviani here is talking about this purely in the context of the consequences of the implementation of the council. Think about it. And there's much more that you could go on. Um, I will try to have this linked in my show notes today, returntotradition.org, so you can read it. Fair warning, this letter is again in Italian, not in English, but the web, but there are Google Chrome extensions you can use that will give you a pretty decent translation, which is what I used here. So return to tradition.org for that. Skip past the Patreon pop-up unless you want to become a patron of the channel or whatever. There's no paywall for my sources. Let me know what you thought of this because this is less than a year after the close of the council that he saw things that are now so common that they're not even worth commenting on most of the time. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.